Welcome to MI Live, a podcast from Macros Inc., where we talk about how to make your nutrition and fitness goals realistic, achievable, and sustainable. All right, let's get to the show. We are back with MI Live. How's Jay, it? MI Live? MI Live? Oh my God. That was a good one. <laughs> Zing got me. I was like, wait, are we on the wrong show? Where am I supposed to be today? So welcome back to MI Live, uh, daily nutrition talk show where we try to make your fitness and nutrition, fitness and dieting, whatever you want to call it, sustainable, realistic, and achievable. I am Jay. With me, as always, is the amazingly handsome Dr. Brad Dieter. I think that's the first time you've looked older than me. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Yeah, no, shaving. My hair is, uh, from being out in the sun with horses, my hair is uh, turning a nice blonde color versus dark brown. I'm getting bleached out, Brad. You got that summer beach life. Yeah, yeah. Summer it's, horse life. Except I'm landlocked, so, you know, there's no... <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen a, a, an open body of water in like a year. So, uh, well, we will... True. Although the Great Lakes are basically an ocean. <clears throat> yeah, but I mean, I don't... I haven't been to... I haven't seen... I haven't been to a great... Seen Lake Michigan in... Many a, moons? A, a year, Yeah. So You're crazy. Yeah. I, I saw a, a pool at the Wisconsin Dells over winter. That kind well, of, That's sweet. That's kind of like a body of water. Anyways, guys, we are going to jump into our topics. If you have questions while we're talking, just feel free to ask them. If you are listening on the podcast and want to catch one of our live shows, just macrosync.net slash YouTube, uh, and that'll take you right to it. Or you can go right to macrosync.net slash free group. Join the Facebook group with 170,000 people in it, I think, now. Um and you can watch them live there. If you're watching live and want to catch these on the podcast, macrosinc.net slash podcast. And <clears throat> those are about a week delayed on the upload, but you can take them with you anywhere and doesn't kill all your data. Um, and you can listen in your car and hear my That's amazing true. my amazing radio voice. And I have to upload talk, another episode today. We can talk about smooth jazz all day. Oh no. my God. No. <laughs> I feel like you were born like two decades too late. Yeah, oh, I'd be I'd be the best smooth jazz DJ. You would you would have been a great like uh, like Elvis Duran in the morning type of DJ. Oh my God, there's a name that like <laughs> nobody nobody alive knows, and I'm not sure how I know it, but I know exactly who that is. I think I would have been I would have been like the uh, the the smooth jazz Casey Kasem. That's probably true. Yeah, you know, we got some good tunes for all you hip cats out there. Let's keep it going. Oh my God! Yeah, hey, I had a radio show before WDGC eighty eight point three FM, Downers Grove. Uh, all right. All right. Well, let's, before let's... we devolve into JJ <laughs> giving us all of his DJ snippets, um, <laughs> let's dive into topic right. numero uno. All right. So, continuing on with our macros one hundred one uh, topic that we had on our last episode, where we discussed uh, calories and what different macros are. We're going to jump into food quality versus quantity. So, for anybody who does know this, uh, remember that not everybody, not everybody does. It's a good refresh for people who do. And hey, we review these topics pretty often, so they stay on top of your mind. So, that being said, food quality and quantity. Which is <clears throat> so? Let's first define. I think each food quality and quantity. So, Brad, which one do you want to define? You define um, quality. Yeah, so food quality, if I had to define it, is regarding the intrinsic properties of food that are independent of the energy content. Okay. So that would include things like 
the amount of macronutrients in them, the amount of fiber in them. Um, did I say micro? Yeah, micronutrients. Said, excuse yeah. me. Did I say macro? Yeah. God. Uh, the amount of the amount and type of micronutrients, fiber, um, their satiety, what kind of um, like uh, um, other health promoting compounds like bioflavonoids some of those like phytochemicals, um, those sorts of things. And then, you know, sometimes like the palatability, how full they make you feel like those types of things are what I would consider fall under the food quality umbrella. Yeah. I would say macronutrients can, you can, <clears throat> I could probably put, you could probably put that into quality as well for macro. Yeah, you could. I would it, say it, it maybe kind of goes both. Yeah. Probably like, uh, the energy density of something mm-hmm. you could include in the food quality matrix. Yeah, and, and, and I would put in, you know, Protein is is quality versus quantity. Yeah. So amount of protein, but having protein itself. So, and then quantity is obviously just going to be the amount of food, uh, of overall food, amount of calories or macronutrients that you're actually eating. Um, and you can get into quantity of micronutrients and stuff, but in the big picture, it's it's about the amount of food, um, amount serving sizes, um, your, your macro. I, I would I would also put the mat, your macro breakdown your division of where your cal your partitioning of where your calories are going in there, um, but for an overall for overall weight loss and and we we typically in in the media in general conversation popular diet systems they seem to always put the emphasis is on and and in casual conversations i have to eat healthier you, we always seem to put this emphasis on for weight loss on quality um it always appears that it's quality over quantity you see a lot of books over that you see um you know some of you were talking about on morning joe this morning is the the crossfit um the the crossfit nutrition thing that's kind of come out and there's there's you know a debate they're bringing seem to be bringing back up the the sugar um, carbohydrate insulin response model that's kind of been debunked. Um, and, and that's putting emphasis on quality again for what most people would assume is weight loss. Now it might have a little bit of effect on performance, which might be the cro- a CrossFit thing, but I think they're also taking the wrong way on that for performance. But, um, where do you, do you agree that there's a, this emphasis on quality and not saying it's right or wrong yet, just a, a, Overall, in society, there's an emphasis on quality, food quality, when people talk about weight loss. I would say that's very accurate. Okay. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people use the moniker of start eating healthy. Um, and I think yeah. we generally default to think that means food quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then do you think that it's <clears throat> for weight loss, which is the – well, let's emphasize weight loss. And I want to – we emphasize weight loss because which is what is weight loss being in a healthy body weight correlates to being overall healthy. Correct. Yes. Yeah. There's there, and there, and there's strong evidence for that. The, the, the more, the more overweight you are, the more likely you are for, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? The more overweight you are, the more likely you are to have, um, long not in uh, chronic illnesses chronic diseases uh so being in a healthy body weight it, like how strongly does that correlate being in a healthy body weight to reducing disease overall disease um <clears throat> very strongly 
Um, so we do know that, I mean, th- there's a few ways to look at it. Let's just say you have average weight as like the reference, the reference level, right? Um, like a normal body weight. As you increase BMI, your risk of diabetes, um, cardiovascular disease, kidney disease, um, some forms of cancer, um, hypertension, all of those things increase. Um, now the actual like risk itself gets mitigated a little bit by if you have a high BMI and a low body fat, um, or some people have kind of what we'll call a metabolically healthy obesity, right? You have a high BMI, but your blood markers aren't elevated. Now those people have a less severe increased risk, but they still do show an increased risk. Okay. Um, perfect. So that adds up to everything that I was just saying. So we, we went deeper into it. And then with, with regards to weight loss, where does the, the, the evidence lie? Is it in food quality or the quantity of food we're eating that equates to long-term successful weight loss or any weight loss? You know, my, my view on this is that it's both. They both matter. Um, nope, and they I matter agree. for, they matter for different reasons. One is we know that the quantity in terms of the caloric content of the food and your calorie balance is the mechanism by which you lose weight, gain weight, sustain weight loss, sustain weight gain, right? We, it's, it's incontrovertible that that's the truth. Mm -hmm. Now the food quality that you can consume can dictate how many calories you consume in a day. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, like there's been several research studies, um, observational studies, you know, cohort-based studies. There's been interventional studies. There's there've been mechanistic studies. Kind of the whole, all the layers of evidence that the higher food quality you have, meaning you know the less processed food, the higher fiber food, the higher micronutrient food um, that you, the higher protein content food that you consume, um, generally all equate to lower caloric intake um, and better long-term sustainability of a diet. Right. Pardon me. The uh, so if you have, let's. I'm gonna. I agree with you that that both matter. If you had to put an emphasis on on one, if and not necessarily this is the end all be all, but you know when you have somebody who's 200 pounds or let's go 100 pounds overweight, and you say, okay, well we're going to not only restrict the amount of food you're eating, the the quantity, we're gonna restrict the quality, and we're gonna put you on this vegetable chicken broccoli diet um it, it, it just is a long-term in my opinion it's and i think you agree it's a and i think the evidence supports it too it's a long-term it's a disaster it's a recipe for immediate disaster really it's just not sustained they might be able to do it for a couple of weeks but they fall off the hinges because it's too big of a lifestyle change immediately um yeah yeah. So I think when we look at kind of the dieting literature, there's there's kind of two independent things there. One is um, we know that the more rigid and structured a, a dietary approach is, the more difficult it is to adhere long term. Um, the other piece to that is your the skills you build from 
adopting a very strict diet are pretty minimal, right? Like if somebody's like, Hey, you can just eat chicken, broccoli, and brown rice. It's like, you don't really learn anything about what you're doing. You just follow a prescription. Um, so that's one thing. The, the other side of the coin is we do know that early initial weight loss, like substantial early weight loss, um, generally predicts better long-term outcomes than if you don't lose any weight in the first you know week or two because you're making very slow adapt slow changes. So you do need some form of um, early wins and weight loss to translate to better long-term ones. So that's why a lot of times, like when we coach our clients. We'll actually be a little more aggressive out of the gate than we might normally be because we know that you know early initial results typically translate to better long term outcomes. Yeah, and I've I've had clients where I'll start my deficit higher than I nor- than I would like it to be just to get that because because one you're excited you're going to be a little more compliant you can tolerate a little bit more so for two weeks or three weeks might put them in a little higher deficit than I normally would. And then as we get results or if, if the, and sometimes they do great on, you can keep them in that for a while, but if they all of a sudden, you know, start to start to lose weight and they're, they're doing good and they say, you know what, this is getting a little hungry. Hey, let's add in some calories again. We'll slow the rate, but, but we're going to do good. And you might keep that rate up or it might slow down just a little, but yeah, it definitely increases the, uh, the, um, sustainability of the diet and the long-term success because they've gotten the results. They know it works. And yep. a lot of people are willing to kick it up even more after they get those initial results. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to have that conversation with them. Yeah. Agree. And so, so with, with quantity and quality, one of the things that I know you and I, and I have it in my notes, it's from 2016, you and I talking about it in a, oh God, in a, that's in a, a group. Time ago. I was yeah. a different person. Whatever I said, I cannot be held to the fire on that. You said Jay is the most handsome guy alive and he's probably the smartest human being I've ever had the pleasure of speaking to. I mean, that's probably still true. Okay, perfect. So um, we had said, you know, I, I, I had actually posted in a, I, I had posted a comment in a Facebook group and you had actually replied and I, you, you had said, holy, you, you had said, look at this, an actual intelligent comment in this thread. <laughs> and I think that was one of our first interactions <laughs> about, about nutrition. And, uh, now it sounds like a comment I would make in my petulant youth. In your petulant youth. That was four years ago. In your Dude, early, I know, 28. In your twenties. Yeah. I mean, just a, a rebel. I was a wise, I was wise and in my thirties already. So, it, you know, matches but i i had said that i would i would take <clears throat> it was the thread was about food quality versus quantity and the argument was that you can't you know you 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 shouldn't eat uh you should only eat quote-unquote clean foods it was all about a clean food thread so you should only eat minimally processed whole nutritious foods nothing processed no you shouldn't have anything like candy there should be no pizza no snickers no anything like that um, and I said, and that will automatically bring you to a healthy body weight. And I said, you know, it's not true. You can, you should have a mixed, varied diet. You can have, you know, treats and things like that. But I personally would put, you know, you can gain weight off of eating too many vegetables. If I eat 5,000 calories of broccoli, I'm going to get fat. I'll probably blow up from the gas that I'm building up inside of me. But I would absolutely don't shake your head at me, Brad. That was a good one. But I no, absolutely I'm, I'm shaking my head at my little dog over here. Oh. Did you hear him? He lost yeah. his bone under my bookcase and he's oh, losing his mind. Poor dog. So, but you can gain weight off. If you eat 5,000 calories in vegetables, you're going to gain weight. If I eat 800 calories a day in Twinkies, I'm going to lose weight. And if I have somebody, I would take the healthy body weight person at 800 calories a day would be in overall better health 
than the 100-pound overweight person eating 5,000 calories of vegetables a day. And then once we get down to a, I would, I would pick the healthy body weight person for being outside of genetic issues, being the healthier person uh, all day. But once you get down to that body weight, now let's start shifting more and more and more towards quality to be able to maintain that and, and, and improve overall health. Do you still agree with that statement? Uh, yeah, I would say as a general rule, that's very true, right? Yeah. I mean, we just know that your level of adiposity and the distribution of that adiposity is far, is one of, if not the largest predictor of long-term chronic disease, mm-hmm. you know, outside of weird genetic stuff or just kind of very special cases in general, it's the, the adiposity itself that carries most of the risk. I like that adiposity. You don't hear that word spoken very much. I like that word. Yeah. It's like the word plethora. That's my plethora and copious are two of my favorite words. Copious is good. Yeah. It's a, you don't hear it outside of medicine very often. I also like bolus. I heard somebody say once you give somebody oh, a yeah. protein, a protein bolus and you only, I only heard, heard bolus in medicine before, like a bolus of IV fluid. And then they said a bol- protein bolus and it just became one of my favorite things again. Can I um, have a bolus of cash? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll inject it right into you. Um, so the, so I, I, I think that if, if somebody is looking for more on this food quality versus quantity, they say, you know, how do I find that balance where I'm going to, lose weight because eventually you know you you should have i think in all things you have one primary focus and then a secondary goal and in, in my opinion if your goal is weight loss your primary goal should be quantity and your secondary goal should be quality um and then at some point once you hit your 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 fitness goals we should we should always the entire weight loss time you should be switching and take let's say you're you know, switch a little bit here, a little bit of a percentage, 1% a day, 1% a week, whatever of your focus and switch over to quality. Um, is there a specific time when you say like, all right, switch over to quality? Like, is there a blanket statement or it's just an ongoing process? Um, it's an ongoing process. And I think for a lot of people, it's never unidirectional, <clears throat> right? So mm-hmm. people will be like, Hey, I'm going to, you know, stop tracking my food and focus more on food quality for a while. And then they'll come back to tracking um, their food. It'll, it'll kind of ebb and flow as you go, you know, over the course of your, your life. Yeah. Agreed. And ebb and flow. That's another good, good term that you don't hear very often. Yeah. I, I have to go grab this thing. This dog's driving me absolutely insane. All right. I will keep talking. And I muted my own mic instead of Brad's. <laughs> So the uh, so going on with this, if you, if anybody out there is is looking for a way to help navigate navigate this food quality versus versus quantity issue, if you're <clears throat> wondering, you know, what exactly does quality mean? Is it only o- only fruits and vegetables? Does lean meat fall under that? Is beef jerky, you know, is that high quality protein? Does protein powder count? Um, Head on over to macrosinc.net. We have a two-week free trial. You can go to macrosinc.net slash services or just macrosinc.net. Get a two-week free trial. Uh, Sit down, have a consult with a coach. Let us help you get guided through this process. It's not, you know, once you've been doing this for a little while, you're like, oh, well, this is pretty simple. I got it. And we want you to be on your own. Uh, We do not want our, you know, we, we have clients who stick around for a very long time. They have new goals. They have new things to navigate that we're guiding them through. Um, but the overall goal, if your goal is weight loss, we, 
once you have the knowledge base, which takes about three months, three months of, of coaching, weekly check-ins with your coach, and, and most of our clients are on their own um, and, and they're successful. We don't want people to stick around forever as much as we love every one of our clients. It's a, uh, it, it's, and we'd, it'd be much easier for us if everybody just never left. But you know, learn to navigate this on your own. Learn what everything means. Learn how to make these decisions. Macrosync.net, two-week free trial. Um, book an appointment with a coach, chat. See how it all goes. All right. Did you get your muke? Your muke is still mited, I said. Uh, you got your dog bone figured out? Yes. Okay. Did you um, notice that when I sat back down and tried to put my headphones on, I hit myself in the face with them? <laughs> no, I didn't. But now I'm going to have to watch the replay because that's uh, awesome. the, like The cord was wrapped around the chair leg because it's like a long headphone cord. And I went to sit down. And I just, wow. I was like, oh, crap. Fantastic. Uh, I cannot get lo- used to looking at myself without a beard yet. So weird. You're weird. All right. We got some, questions. some questions. Oh, yeah. Dante. Coke. Oh my God. I'll mail it to you. Dante said, good vibes. Uh, Coach Aesthetics, who is one of our regular viewers, said, hello, Brad, sir, and Jay. Uh, what's your opinion of mustard oil and the Usaric acid controversy? I haven't heard this. I have no idea what this is. <laughs> you know what that, that E-R-U C-I-C. It's probably Arusik. Arusik. You know what that reminds me of? No. Have you ever played Street Fighter? Yeah. Hadouken. When oh you know Ryu shoots his little fireball? I feel like that's what that sounds like. Oh, my God. <laughs> Welcome to Macro. Welcome to MI Live, where we talk about, 19, uh, talk about 90s video game pop culture references. Dude, when was Street Fighter released? I'll go Street 1993. Fighter. Release date. When was it? Ooh, the first one, which was not the best one, 1987. The second wow. one, Street Fighter Two, which was the best one, 1991. Oh, I was still way off. Samson, right. I, I was way off. Oh, my God. All right, Brad, do you have an opinion on this? Because I have. He also said, as far as I've read, there's no research that I could find on humans showing any negative effects from consumption of mustard oil on any health markers. I have... I have no- I have no idea. I mean, I've read a lot of biomarker papers. I've read a lot of uh, different fatty acid consumptions in biomarkers. I've reviewed probably 40 or 50 papers for journals on that stuff. And I have no idea. I just have not come across it. Nope. So, sorry. My (laughs) guess is if that's the case, um, there's probably not much to it. I'd have to look into it more. All right. And then uh, last question from, do you prefer a reverse dieting approach or a diet break to straight away isocaloric? Uh, do you prefer reverse dieting, a reverse dieting approach or a diet break to straight away isocaloric phase after 12 to 20 weeks of hypocaloric? So do you prefer going right back into maintenance, maintenance, cal- maintenance calories after a long dieting phase, or do you prefer slowly ramping them back up? Um, both. Right. Yeah. It depends, I think. And I think it depends mostly on the psychology of the client. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I think people don't think about, um, especially this is one of the big parts of coaching that, you know, as somebody who's got, you know, a lot of experience under their belt starts to realize is when somebody loses a substantial or meaningful amount of weight, um, the lowest number they hit is not a real number, right? It's mm-hmm. j- that Nadir is, some of it's artificial, right? It's 
you're probably a little glycogen depleted. You're probably a little dehydrated. It's probably your morning weight. Like the lowest weight you'll ever see on the scale from a diet is not your actual true body weight, right? It's kind of this false low number. So when people jump straight back to maintenance, they're probably going to see a couple pound uptick in the scale. And it's generally just from being more hydrated and having more muscle glycogen, right? So now that if you reverse diet, so you kind of slowly reverse dieting is basically just like slowly ramping calories back up. Um, and sometimes it's kind of past previous maintenance just depends on what you're doing. But, um, so if, if somebody, if you can convince them like, Hey, you know, you just broke this barrier, your, your new body weight low is 129 pounds on the scale, but your true, like actual homeostatic regular low body weight is probably 131, 131 and a half. So when we go right back to maintenance, you're probably going to see that 130, 131 and a half, somewhere in that range in the first, you know, five, six days, that's normal, right? You're basically just filling up the gas tank in your car. Don't let that psychologically get to you. Now, a lot of people will be like, I I can't handle that. Like this number was my mental victory and I can't do it. So you kind of have to slowly add calories in. Um, and sometimes their weight will stabilize, you know, at a little bit lower number, but usually just kind of that normal number anyway, but they get a few weeks to kind of let their brain accumulate to it. Um, so it kind of really depends, at least from my perspective on the psychology of your client. Now, ideally I'd like to get them back to maintenance as fast as possible. Just from a lot of physiological perspectives, I think it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I agree. It hundred percent depends on the client. I want to get them back to maintenance as fast as possible. Um, I also think it, it depends on what, what's first off, how lean are they? Is this a competitor who's down to six, 6%, 5% body fat that, you know, you're going to notice. And, and again, it's the psychological aspect from it. They're going to notice putting on three pounds and they're going to notice the water retention that comes with that. I'm going to have to take that slow because otherwise they're going to, they're going to say, well, I'm already gaining weight YOLO and just go off the rails. Um, is this somebody who you've dieted for 20 weeks, you've lost 40 pounds and we still have 50 more to go. So we're taking a two week diet break. If that's the case, I'm putting you at maintenance immediately. Um, I'm not, I'm not working you back up. Um, were, were you, is this a hundred and is this a 102 pound female who, dieted from 115 and we're, she's, you know, five feet tall and we have to, you know, she can maintain her body weight on a thousand calories. Well, that's not great. I'm going to jump up to maintenance immediately and then slowly probably week by week or every other week, add in more calories to see what we can get away with, um, to see where, how much she can adapt to. So it really, it really depends. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to it though. Um, I do think somebody asked what reverse dieting was, and Brad, obviously you talked about that, but I think it's important to note, to, to mention that there's, there's two, I think there's two definitions to reverse dieting. There's the original one, which is the one we're talking about, um, which is slowly it's, it's dieting in reverse, slowly adding in calories to either gain or maintain your weight at a, uh, to either maintain your weight or gain weight at a very regulated pace. Um, and you're going to increase your non-exercise activity, your exercise activity, and you might be able to increase. I, I I've had clients who have increased 500 calories from, you know, we're maintaining on 1500 calories. I've gotten up to 2000 calories and, and without gaining weight. Um, but there was this, it got, and I think it got twisted a lot, a lot and turned around and turned into this. Well, we can just, if you add in 20 calories a week, every week for the rest of your life, you're just going to maintain that. And I think it just got twisted and messed up. 
just abused. Yeah, it, it was a good idea in the in the beginning, and then it just got take tear torn apart. Um, somebody from our Facebook group said this might be a dumb question. There are no dumb questions, but when it comes to quantity, would you be better off overeating proteins versus carbs? I know you shouldn't overeat, but hey, it happens. That is not a dumb question. That is actually one of the very first questions that I had um, when I started. Uh, tracking my calories and people actually told me that I was stupid for asking it. Um, but I think it's a absolutely fantastic question um, because it makes sense because shit happens. Right. Um, so Brad, I'll have some quote. <laughs> it does. See, that's, that's all I was doing. Quoting amazing movies. Um, yeah. You, I would, I would say overeat on lean protein. If you're going to overeat, what am I thinking? If I'm, if I'm starving and I'm maxed out, I, yeah, you could have a, a protein shake. I, I will throw shrimp on the, uh, I will pan for, I will grill shrimp or something, or even have, you know, cooked cold shrimp, um, whatever. I will have deli meat, anything like that. Um, even just plain chicken breast, something to keep me full. It's protein and it's better. I, in my opinion, it's better than going over on carbs because there's evidence that you won't gain body fat from that. Brad? Yes. So I 100% agree with you. And I'm trying to find... Um, do you hear my dogs in the background? They're about, they're about to go away for forever. Yeah, I, I got two dogs that can join them. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a, a screen share here so people can um, take a look at this. Can you see this? So this table right here, this is the efficiency of macronutrient storage. So this was some research that was done um, in the 1980s. And then a guy named Blackster kind of compiled a lot of it in a, a review paper. Um, but basically, this is a graph that actually shows like if you, if you consume a dietary substrate and having it get stored as something. So if you look at... like They asked the question of, should I overeat on protein versus carbs? So carbohydrates when they're overconsumed and they're stored as body fat, their estimated efficiency is 0.8. Protein being stored as body fat is 0.6. So it's substantially less efficient. Um, fat, obviously, being stored as body fat is incredibly efficient, especially even compared to carbohydrates and proteins. That was interesting. I don't think I... I, I think I have seen that, but not in a lot. Is that on... What's, what, what is that in the NutriWiki? Uh, yep. Macrozinc.net slash NutriWiki slash the hyphen truth hyphen about hyphen high hyphen fat hyphen diets. Let me just put that I, in standard. I know where I read that at. That was when I read it when it was on science driven nutrition. It, it was. And that's where I read it. I was like, man, that looks really familiar. Where did I read that before? I read that. Boom. Like a couple there of years you ago. You want to paste that into the comments too? Ah, darn right I will. Okay. Um, so Nutri hey. for anybody watching at home, it, just go to NutraWiki dot or anybody listening on the podcast, you can go to NutraWiki dot org and um, just search for the truth about high fat diets um, or macrosync.net and go to and search it on there too. But it's an article Brad wrote shows that little graph that he was just talking about, and it explains how efficient we are at storing different macronutrients, be it carbs, fats, or protein. Uh, just to reiterate, Brad, for anybody who couldn't see it or is listening, we are most efficient at storing fats, then carbs, and the least efficient at storing protein. Yep. And okay. that article has eight uh, claims about high-fat diets that are reviewed, and they look at the scientific literature. Actually, aren't we the least efficient at storing alcohol? 
Uh, yes. Okay, so I'm just going to have alcohol and it's calorie free, right? No. Well, that doesn't fit my agenda. So change the science for me, please. Mm, done. Okay. Um, let's see. Somebody in our Facebook group said, I already have an excellent personal trainer at my gym who encourages me to keep taking protein, but I wonder if getting a nutrition coach would as well would help me reach my goals better or quicker. The answer is yes. And it's funny because we actually had this discussion yesterday in one of our meetings. Um, we've, we have clients sometimes who ask why we don't offer just training coaching. Um, and we just believe that the nutrition piece is such a big part of results, especially on the weight loss side. Um, also with the like muscle building side, uh, that we want to make sure that people are armed with everything they need to succeed. So we, um, nutrition coaching is the foundation of what we do. Yeah. And it's definitely something that we do have a lot of clients who have a per- in-person personal trainer and then work with us for their nutrition. We actually have clients who work with us for their training and then, Sometimes, even if they're not used to lifting, I think this was one of the most interesting things when we started coaching online. When I started coaching online, people who were not used to lifting, who wanted who wanted to lift but they were nervous, um, they'd sign up for training coaching with us, and they had no idea how, how how to do any of the exercises. So what we would do is give them their program, have them go to the gym, talk to the trainer, and say, "Listen, I just need two two sessions. I need to learn how to do these exercises." And and we, I'll say, I did that over a hundred times in a year with clients and I never had one client who had a no from a gym and they never had, never had an issue with it. So I think that's something to look at too. All right. We have Ambra. Good morning from Italy. Um, Bon. Bon. Primorgio. Primorgio. Something like that. Bongiorno. I'll just say Primorgio. Um, Let's see. Do you accept individuals writing for your blog? I would love to write about the subject as in the European Union, USA, mustard oil is still banned for human consumption. I do. Send me an email at brad.deter at macrozinc.net. I think I have four blog articles I have to edit today. If, if, something's, for, if something's banned, it's probably good. Um, so I did look this up <laughs> while, um, while we were talking. Um, this is from Wikipedia because it was just the fastest way to get some information. So I have not vetted any of this. Um, but it says mustard oil has high levels of both alpha linoleic acid, um, which is a, um, I always mess these up. Linoleic acid. I think that's a omega three, three. That's an omega six. Oh, is it really? So linoleic is, uh, an omega three linolenic is an um, or alpha linoleic acid is a omega six alpha linolenic acid is a short chain omega three. So sounds like mustard oil is a, it has, um, Oh, erase everything I just said. Mustard oil <laughs> has high levels of alpha linolenic acid, which is a short chain omega three. Like that's the omega three that you find in flaxseed. Um, and, Uricic acid, E-R-U-C-I-C. Um, it says that is a monounsaturated omega-9 fatty acid denoted 22-1 omega-9. Uh, it has the chemical formula. Blah, 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 blah. Um, can, you, can you repeat that chemical name real quick? Blah, 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 blah. The chemical formula is CH3, CH27, CH double bond, CH, uh, CH211, COOH. 
Um, it says studies done on rats in the early 1970s found that uric- uricic acid has toxic effects on the heart at high enough doses. However, more recent research has cast doubt on the relevance of rat studies to the human health um, of uricic acid. Rats are unusual in their ability to process this acid and symptoms in rats caused by a diet with high levels of it has not been observed in pigs, primates, or other animals. No negative health effects of any exposure to ur- uricic acid have been documented in humans. Nevertheless, Publications of these studies led to governments worldwide moving away from oils with high levels of uricic acid. Mustard oil is not allowed to be imported or sold in the U.S. for use in cooking, except for those products with exceptionally low uricic acid content. Yeah, so uh, Coach Aesthetics, definitely uh, shoot me an email, brad.deter at macrozinc.net. No, I had <laughs> that, that was good? like the most fa- that was the fastest mic mute I've ever seen. I can't get that fast. Did, I know did you catch any of the sneeze in there? No, no, that was perfect. It was just you like rocking your head back and forth. I was laughing when you were talking because that sound you made when you said the the chemical name, whatever sound that was. I cannot, I cannot do that and I would just spit all over my microphone. <laughs> I, I don't my wife uh. Lisa will do that too. She'll make weird sounds all the time and like like me and you used to play a game, make this sound. Yes. And I, I can't I can't do it because I can't make sounds. Like right now here I have a I have a wrapper for a protein bar. Brad, make this sound. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite game in the world. I'm so glad this gives you so much. Uh yeah, this you know, I've been up since like four thirty, so you know, you need Dude, something. So I've been yeah. dealing with angry emails since 4.30. Well, that's you've been sending the angry emails since 4.30. That doesn't count. That's not true. I rarely send angry emails. So they, so they just all go to me? Is that, <laughs> is that what it is? I don't think I've or ever said Or do you, do you just forget that you have caps lock on all the time? I think I just forget I have caps lock on. <laughs> uh, Sarah said it's 100% the psychological effects of losing weight and dieting. is It's so much harder to deal with than the physical aspect. Uh, I agree for a lot of people that is 100%. Facts. For most people, that's a, the facts. Uh, and that is it. People just said, thank you. You are all welcome. Let's jump into our set. Oh, do we have another comment? Uh, so I'm impressed said, by Wikipedia. I'm impressed by Wikipedia. Um, let's jump in to our next topic, Brad. Diet breaks. Didn't we just basically talk about this? <clears throat> yeah, so we'll talk about it a little bit more. We'll go into detail on them since it kind of wrapped up nicely since we did talk about diet breaks and the... Uh, and kind of reverse dieting and if you jump up so diet breaks didn't we just you mean didn't we just talk about this as a topic on the show or today today yeah well briefly we touched on it we can expand unless you have something else we want to talk about saying, you were very clairvoyant um <clears throat> i i'm always clairvoyant so the <laughs> the uh, start calling you miss theo oh my god yes perfect <laughs> <clears throat> so the a diet break is it, it, it's something that's designed to give you a physiological and psychological break from dieting. Um, there are there I, I think that the psychological aspects for most people are the most important ones, um, and those can range from a twenty four hour diet break to a two week diet break. Um, the physiological evidence is. I, I believe it's it's pretty strong, but I think there is some evidence that it doesn't really have any benefit as well in a in a physiological sense, right? Um yes. <laughs> I've never seen you give such a, a short answer without cringing. 
I'm I'm learning. So why is it just a begrudging yes? Um, so I just want to make sure I understood the question correctly. It wasn't a question; it was just a statement. Well, there was was there an implied question? Uh, I, I was just asking your opinion if my statement was correct. I guess. And your statement was <clears throat> there's evidence that diet breaks do help physiologically help. Yes. But there is some can there is some evidence that just says it's a net. It doesn't <clears throat> it doesn't hurt you, but it doesn't have any benefit. Um, or is I, that not yeah. true anymore? Uh, yes. Yeah, so that's why I begrudgingly said yes. Okay. So then, then yeah, correct me. Yeah. No, I mean, so that is that is the case, right? A lot of it depends on. Uh, so so part of the problem is the research that's been done on diet breaks is a little bit all over the board. Um, the most famous study that's used to kind of support diet breaks is called the Matador study, right? Um, that was a study where they basically did two weeks of dieting, two weeks of no dieting, two weeks of dieting, two weeks of no dieting, right? So they did intermittent diet breaks every two weeks. Now, I think it's pretty clear from that data, both from what the data that they collected and what we can interpret um, and postulate based on previous dietary studies is Diet breaks it after two weeks of a caloric deficit are not going to do a whole lot from a physiological perspective. Like you're not going to have massive and or meaningful metabolic adaptation after two weeks. Right. Um, so some of the physiological things of like hormones and, uh, needs and all that sort of stuff that occur from dieting after two weeks, you're probably not going to see a huge benefit from diet breaks. But what we did see in that study was the diet breaks, generally led to greater overall adherence to the weight loss phases of that diet. So the weight loss was actually the same, if not better. The the data suggested weight loss was better amongst the two-week like intermittent dieting approaches. Okay. Perfect. So so that that's and that and that's what I meant by there's there's evidence that it might not have that that two week period it might not be enough right you might need you know and and to me taking that if if you're going to take a, a diet break that's over two weeks you're just you're at maintenance it's that's that's what it is then you're at maintenance calories yeah and, and that's like you're just done I mean, dieting yeah there, and there's there's several ways to skin the cat right mm-hmm. um i mean you can you can take two week caloric restriction chunks followed by two weeks of maintenance and you can do that for 52 weeks and you basically have dieted for six months over the course of the year. Mm-hmm. Like, or yep. you just chunk all of it together in six months. It just depends on how you want to structure your plan. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And there's, you know, the, the, the biggest thing I think is the, and the most, probably the in my opinion, the most important part is that psychological break. Um, you know, if, if, and this is why communicating with, with a coach, when you work with them, communicating with them all the time about, you know, things that are going on in your life, events and stuff like that is important. And this is one of the things that actually working with a coach shows you how to plan out. It's not difficult to say, okay, I know that my, my birthday, my, my spouse's birthday and one of my kids' birthdays are all within four weeks of each other. We're going to have not only family parties, we're going to have a work, we're going to have a night out with ourselves. We also have an anniversary in there. So I'm going to, I've been dieting for three. I'm going to plan this out. I've been dieting for three months. I'm going to diet intensely for three months. I'm going to take a month off and just live my life, do the best I can when I don't have events and then go right back to it. And then again, over, we have summer vacation. We're going on a two week trip. I'm going to take another two week diet break then. And then I'm going to take another two week diet break 
uh, between Christmas and New Year's. And I think that's something that people don't, they, they think, oh, I'm going off. To, how do I stay on? How do I stay on track over the holidays? Well, well, plan what you're doing. You, you know, you know what day the holidays are. You know that, OK, I'm going to I'm going to go to maintenance. I have two. We have two company parties to go to uh, four family members houses to go to plus our own. Just let's take December off on the days when you are not doing something, be it maintenance on the days when you are doing something, do your best to be around there, but enjoy yourself. And I think people just miss that. Well, I think a lot of times people are, they're in a hurry, right? Like, let's just say, let's just say you're like, Oh, my goal is to lose 45 pounds by December of this year. Well, it's like, okay, well then what, what's the plan after that? Mm -hmm. Like, why does that, why is that the, the drop dead date? Like, it's great to set deadlines and, and goals, um, but I think, you know, a lot of people, when they get in a rush, in a hurry to get somewhere, um, and they don't realize that there's also 40, 50, 60, 70 years of your life to live after you reach that goal. Like, yeah, you've got plenty of time. So if it's like, hey, I'm probably going to be, you know, two, three weeks behind and hitting a specific scale weight because I do have a vacation and I'm probably going to take a diet break or I've got a month of just crazy travel and, and all sorts of events that's like, probably not going to be losing a lot of weight. You know, you can kind of make that a little bit easier to navigate. Yep. Agreed. And on our, on our questions, uh, Latasha said, how do you gauge when a diet break is needed from a fat loss deficit? And I would say when the, my answer to this and Brad, you answer in a second, my answer would be when you are struggling to maintain your diet. If you are, finding that you're going out, you've been dieting for a while in the beginning part, don't take a break. If it's been three months or more and you are struggling to stay on pace, you find yourself restarting every night or every other night, or you're fixated on food. Um, then it's time to take, let's take a break with a hard restart date already set. Yeah. I would say when adherence starts to fall <laughs> off, um, if you notice like your sleep is getting poor, your recovery capacity from exercise is getting poor. Um, if you stall in weight loss, those are all signs that like, Hey, it's maybe time to just change it up. You look, like I agree. Um, what? you look like you're going to laugh at me. No, ha. no, I'm just, I'm just a, a happy, a happy go lucky guy, Brad. It's because you have no beard anymore. I know it's, it's horrible. I feel like I'm 12. I'd say 14. Yeah. I'll give you that. Not good. Um, so <clears throat> let's see. What other questions do we have in here? Um, Dante said, is it bad if I eat too much peanut butter? I'm not over 75 grams of fat, um, not over 20 to 25 saturated fats, and I take omega-3s. As long as you're in your calories. Yeah, I think you're fine. Um, yep. The only thing I would say is, you know, peanut butter can be notoriously difficult to track, um, especially if you're not weighing it and you're just measuring it by the the spoonful and like eyeballing it. Um, so if you if you start to stall in some of your progress, that's generally one of the first things I tell people. Like, hey, if you're eating quite a bit of peanut butter, like just make sure you're measuring it correctly. Yeah, that that's a huge one. Um, the the one thing I think was interesting about this is so I. <clears throat> When I, I, I've never been a peanut butter person, never. When I did my first uh, bodybuilding show in 2015, when I like, 
you know, you get fixated on food when you're dieting, especially ultra low. I got fixated on peanut butter. And that was right when all these flavored peanut butters, all the different types started coming out. And I went, it took me like a year where I would, would like go through this huge peanut butter phase. And then it just went away. And then when I dieted again, pretty hard, I did, I did a bulk for probably a year and a half. And then when I dieted down in 2018, uh, I again, got fixated on peanut butter and I was not in a hard deficit. It was a really mild, you know, half a pound a week deficit. And I got fixated on peanut butter again and I'm not dieting and I have zero desire and zero peanut butter in my house. I, I wonder, is there like what, and, and it's common. I mean, I think you would agree that you see a lot of people dieting, like go nuts for peanut butter. And I don't know why that is. Yeah. It's generally, I mean, I'm not a neurobiologist. I'm not an evolutionary biologist. So take what I'm about to say with giant grains of salt. But you I play one be- on a podcast. But I could be so far off base that someone will tell me I'm wrong. Um, But I think some of that may be, it may not be necessarily just peanut butter um, itself, but the body doesn't love to be in an energy deficit. So when you're in an energy deficit, your body will tend to gravitate towards um, high energy density foods. And you, you, the, like, your brain and your mouth know what's an energy dense food. Like there's a reason that when you consume like a high fat food, you know, it's a high fat food. Like you have, um, sensing mechanisms that will, uh, let your brain know that. So peanut butter is a very energy dense food. Like a two tablespoons of peanut butter is like 200 calories, right? Whereas two apples is 200 calories. So your brain definitely knows those things. And I think you crave high energy density foods. And if, you've had peanut butter before and you know that it's that your body will probably start to crave that. That's that's, inter- that's, that's my right. hippopotamus. I like that. I like that hippopotamus. We should see if we can get an evolutionary biologist in here and answer that. We should find one right now. Mm, you. Okay. Yeah. We originated. People did not evolve from, uh, monkeys. We actually originated from gophers. We should get Stefan on the show at some point. Uh, Stefan, what the hell is his last name? Guillaume. Guillaume, yeah. Wish yeah, that, that, that'd be, an, you'd have to lead. The, I, I, I don't think, I think if anything I said to him, he would look at me like I was a kindergartner and just like say, pat me on the head and say, good boy. And so you would have to be <laughs> the one to talk to him the entire time. And I could just sit here and try to understand what you guys are talking about. I probably don't um, know what he's talking about, to be honest. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah said, I've been, well, Sarah's got a long comment. Let's see if we can get around this. Uh, I've been in a, I've been in a calorie deficit for the majority of the last 18 months. Diet breaks are the only way that I can do this and still stay sane. For example, when COVID kicked off, I took a diet break just to take the pressure off and enable me to have one less thing to worry about. Once I felt in a better place, I got back to my calorie deficit and carried on where I left off without completely throwing the throwing in the towel because I wasn't able to cope. Uh, it wasn't able to cope with it all and all the other chaos in life at the same time, I assume. Yes. I think it cut off. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, a diet break is that that's in my opinion, that's the way to do it. You know, there, there's stress that we want to build up your tolerance and, and, and learn how to navigate around. And then there's chaos that we want you to focus on your life around. Um, so it, it just depends on your situation. Um, when, when COVID hit, I was able to actually diet. That was the easiest time for me to diet because it was, I, I, I worked, I had one thing to focus on. It was simple. 
Uh, Leanne said, I think some people do not realize they can take a diet break without guilt. They're either on a diet or they are off the rails and it sets them up for such a negative relationship with food themselves. Yeah. And I think yep. that's a little bit of my comments of people give themselves too short a timeline, right? It's kind of like, imagine if you were trying to save all the money you needed for retirement in one year. You would, imagine if you were trying to save all the money you needed for retirement in one year. I just wouldn't pay you. Like, I mean, that's fair, but um, <laughs> like it, it, that's an impossible task, right? And yeah. you're like, why do you need to put that arbitrary number on it when you have, I don't know, if you're my age, you have 30 plus more years to do it or four more years plus to do it if you're trying to retire by the time you're 36. Um, I just make up these arbitrary goals all the time, right? Yeah. So, I mean, so that's it's, and then you're like, okay, well, that seems a little <laughs> bit crazy. Um, but if you, but if you're like, hey, like I have a long time to do this, I can set up my my plan accordingly. Like if I need to lose 60 pounds, okay, maybe I'll lose 20 in the next six months and then you know I'll go on vacation and do a few things, and then I'll come back and I'll lose another 15 to 20, and then I'll you know go after another 15 to 20. Like mm-hmm. those are also reasonable approaches. It's like it would be very difficult for me to try to save all the money I need for retirement between now and December. I would have to probably do some illegal activities. Um, we can talk about those after the show. Or I'd have to like build Instagram in my garage, right? And the Lord knows I can't do that. So, um, but if I'm like, hey, I'm going to do this over 30 years, I'm going to you know, save X amount every month, like those are reasonable approaches. And yep. then that gives you the idea of like, oh, you know, like, hey, if I want to spend a little bit more money this month on this, um, and I'll save a little more next month. Like that's a reasonable approach. Yeah. Your reasonable approach. I would say I do not take a reasonable approach to most things. You're like the most reasonable person I've ever met, or maybe I'm just that not reasonable <laughs> that, that you seem like the logical. I am definitely the, uh, on the marshmallow test. I'm definitely the wait and have two marshmallows later kind of guy. What is the marshmallow test? You've never heard of that? I think I have. That's, is that where the, the kid with the kids? It's, the yeah. It's like you put a marshmallow yeah. in front of the kid and you can say, you yeah, can have yeah. one now, or if you wait an hour, you can have two. And it's supposed to like predict people's <clears throat> success in life. So uh, I, I do remember that. Cause I, I remember when I read it and I was like, well, I don't like marshmallows. So if that was me, I would just leave it. And then I would get the other marshmallow and then I would sell them to somebody else for like a dollar. Yeah. So I, w- I would pass that. Um, but, but simply because it's marshmallows. If somebody was like, here's a slice of pizza, I'd eat that breakdown. Here's, the a, here's the one pickle. One. Oh, they'd th- th- be gone in three seconds. I could not. Even if you there. could have a jar of pickles, if you waited a half hour. Yeah, probably not. Oh my God. No, I love pickles, man. I, I'm, I, I think, and I think an easier test when you get fast food in your car and you drive, when you get food in your car and you're driving home, do you take fries out of the bag or some of the food before you get home or do you wait till you get home? I have a rule. I'm allowed, I'm allowed one fry. Okay. That's, I, I, I pace myself too. Um, it is, I have, I have, I'm allowed to reach into the bag twice. <clears throat> and, but yeah, I, I think that's, that I think is the, uh, the adult version of the marshmallow test. Which speaking of that, so I would say my fast food consumption is like once a month. Um, really? and it's usually like on a Friday when my, like the nights, my, the Fridays, my wife works, I'll like, there's a Wendy's like literally a half a mile from my house. So I'll mm-hmm. go get a four for four. Cause it's like eight bucks for a full dinner for my wife. Yeah. And last time I went, 
I got home and my fries were half full. Oh my God. Could you imagine that? How disappointing. Like there's very few things in life you look forward to more than fast food French fries. And when um, they're halvesies, you're like, I don't know whether to like call them and complain about this. Uh, Go burn the place down or just move on with my life. Burn the place down. That's all I, I opted with just move on with my life. Somebody said, I, Sheila said, I don't think the test is quite the same, Jay, because the only reward is cold fries. I mean, that's valid. <laughs> <laughs> no, the reward is going home and eating with your family together versus in your car in isolation. Overrated. Uh, <laughs> somebody, somebody asked us, what is the best way to send you questions or topics for other shows that have nothing to do with today's topic? Just ask us here. Things don't have to be on topic. Yeah, if if it's if it's just a, a general question, you can ask it in here. You can make a post in the Facebook group, um, or you if it's a if you're saying you would like us to talk about a topic, just send me an email, uh, jay at macrosync.net. I think you should make it just j at macrosync.net. Uh, no, I got it. Actually, no it actually, both actually go to me. Oh, that's awesome! I'm yeah, just gonna uh, send all my emails to that from now on. Don't because then when I reply, they reply back from jay at macrosync.net, and then they uh, they go into spam all the time. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. yeah, I learned that many years ago with a different domain. Boo. Yeah. So, Brad, I think yes. that's it. Do you have any closing remarks for anybody watching, listening, or what? Um, reading the subtitles on the YouTube broadcast? I have a lot, to be honest. <laughs> okay. What are your closing um, You need to go to macrosync.net, and you need to sign up for a coach. Um, if you're looking for more information, go to NutraWiki.org. If you're not quite ready for a coach, but you want to start learning, go to macrozinc.net slash ebook. Um, if you would like to help us donate $10,000 to charity, go to macrozinc.net slash YouTube. Click the subscribe button, which is right here. I just put my finger through my microphone mount um, right here. But you don't need uh, to point it out because if they're watching YouTube with this, they already, they, they don't need to go to macrosync.net slash YouTube. They're already here. Well, I'm going to do whatever I want. Okay. Um, <laughs> make sure you subscribe to the podcast at macrosync.net slash podcast. Um, if you like to take a diet break, you can take a diet break. Do you notice I'm just clicking every banner on the way down? Yeah. Uh, if you're interested in working at MacroZinc, go to macrosync.net slash job hyphen board. I need to update that in the next 24 hours because some positions have been filled. Some have not been filled. Um, Still, we, oh, coaching is always... Coaching is continually open, which if you'd like to become a coach, you can shortcut that page by going to macrosync.net slash become hyphen a hyphen coach. And if you want to read more about the article that we talked about today go to macrosinc.net slash NutraWiki slash the truth about high fat diets or NutraWiki.org and just search the truth about high fat diets. I just realized why I've been crabby all morning. It's oh, tax day. Dude, I know. I, was, I put a check in the mail yesterday. It was very oh, sad. I, so I'm going to need a raise first, today. First time I think in my entire life, I filed my taxes in February I filed mine in February, but I did not put the tax check in Ooh. until today. Ooh. Why? No, I don't know. I'm just giving you a hard time. I mean, they were like, hey, you don't have to pay it until July. And I was like, well, I'll just keep that in an yeah. interest bearing account. I'm yeah, no, I get it. Dollars. I think I have enough. I've accrued enough interest in this low interest rate times to buy a Jimmy John's. Yeah. Dude, 
I made $21 yesterday day trading. So I paid for you lunch and dinner yesterday. Such a such a baller, man. I don't know how people don't how people keep up with you. I think I spent probably a hundred dollars on food yesterday. So, you know. We don't we, we we eat out a lot. We don't cook in my house. And when we do, it's like like steak. Steak. Well, I mean, yesterday. So, uh, what, what did I eat yesterday? I had we had, I had steaks for dinner, hamburgers for lunch, and then <laughs> you got a lot of iron yesterday, big boy. Oh yeah, that's all you need. Iron and beef. All right, we're out. See you guys on uh on the Friday. next episode on the podcast on Friday on the live macrosync.net slash YouTube, and you can watch the live ones. So that's it. Uh, same macro time. Same macro channel. Oh my god! I wish I never would have said. Did I say that first, or did you? I don't know. Whoever did should be beaten. Well, uh, we'll be tarred and feathered. Hopefully. All right, guys. Thanks for watching. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Am I Live, a podcast from Macros Inc. If you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to subscribe, rate, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate it. Until next time.